0: Hey everyone, Gil Gross here, post-match Rafael Nadal versus Denis Shapovalov Australian Open 2022 quarterfinals. If you're not here for spoilers, click off the video in 3, 2, 1. Rafael Nadal through to another semifinal in Australia, getting over a hump that has historically been difficult for him in Melbourne. He wins this quarterfinal in five sets over Denis Shapovalov, and he is moving on to face... The winner of Matteo Berrettini and Gael Monfils. Now, if you told me before the match that we were going to get a five-setter, that Nadal would take the first two sets, Shapovalov would take the next two, and then we'd get a somewhat tight 6-3, one break of serve, fifth set, I would have told you, sounds awesome. Four hours, eight minutes, sounds great. The scoreline's a bit misleading here. This wasn't great. It was hard to watch at times. Because Nadal was struggling physically. After the first set. And beyond. And Chapovalov was actually really good physically. But just couldn't seem to get out of his own way. As far as his game is concerned. I will say that two themes that have emerged throughout the event. Especially in the matches that I've covered. Definitely repeated itself in this match. One. That experience and mental toughness matter. And... That's nothing new in this sport. One-on-one, no coaching, no teammates. It's an extraordinarily mental sport. And I thought focus and decision-making and, of course, willpower were all big pluses for Nadal in this match. And really the only reason he got through it, another, another really kind of mentally tough Nadal match where you file it under the great ones find a way to win. The great ones find a way to win. Uh, good serving also. It gets you so far. I'm The more I watch this tournament, the more it continues to kind of hit me how quick these courts are playing in the sense that good serves are not coming back and players with really, you know, good serves and good forehands. But, it, you know, it's not like Nadal and Chapo are serve bots. Chapo does really bring the thunder sometimes, but I mean, Nadal got incredible purchase out of his first serve. And in the fifth set, that was a big key for him as his movement was really not in a great place. He was able to lean on the serve. And that was very key. Shapovalov also had some, some good, some really good moments on serve. Um, but there were some times where he struggled on the first serve percentage, which hurt him. And, uh, On the nadal side he struggled with double faults and i'll get more into that as we move forward in the analysis but the main thing that i think was an overarching turning or determining factor for nadal was forehand consistency if i could point to one thing and this match evolved a lot right the first set looked very different from the second set the third and fourth sets looked very different from there Then the fifth set had another thing altogether. But one thing that was pretty constant throughout um, is forehand consistency being an absolute key to this match. And Rafael Nadal had a major advantage in this area. If you look at the unforced errors just on the forehand, um, on ground stroke. So forehand, ground stroke, unforced errors. Shapovalov made 30 unforced errors and Nadal made nine. But to really drive this home, in the sets Shapovalov lost, he made 10, 10 in the first set, 9 in the second set, 6 in the fifth set, and 2 were in the game that he was broken. His serve was broken. So, basically, that is what really, That's what that's what was the main kind of anchor dragging Shapovalov down in this match is that he was not always able to rely on hitting routine attacking forehands from the middle of the court. And he didn't do it with any kind of consistency. In the sets he won, he made four on unforced errors in the third, and then he made one forehand on forced error in the fourth set. So when he did that, he won. When he made nine, ten, he wasn't going to have... Uh, nearly as good a chance. And Rafa Nadal, it doesn't matter if he's on his worst day ever. He will never make as many mistakes on the forehand side as Shapovalov did in this match. He just, he'll just he never let that happen. And that's a good quality about Nadal. Is that even on his worst day, he's not going to beat himself. And in this case, you can point to a lot of moments on the forehand side where Shapovalov beat himself. And again, biggest game in the match. one all in the fifth set. Let me make sure it was one-all real quick. Let me verify that. Uh, No, it was love one. The game started with first ball, forehand error, Shapovalov. First ball, forehand error, Shapovalov. Double fault. Love 40. Nadal had a good serving set. Good night. Lights out. That's the fifth set. Forehand consistency. I want to go back to my keys to the match. When I previewed the match live uh, earlier in the afternoon, I... I came up with some things that were going to be determining factors, so I want to revisit those. I was wondering if Shapo was going to respect the Nadal serve. Denis Shapovalov is coming, was coming off two tremendous returning performances over Riley Opelka and Alexander Zverev, two guys who hit their serve around, you know, for in Opelka's case, over 130 miles per hour, and Zverev's case, around 130 miles per hour. And Shapovalov was able to get a lot of returns in play. But Nadal is not that kind of server. He serves slower than that. He averages under 120 miles per hour on his first serve. So how is Chapo going to approach the return? And I thought that what he should do is respect the Nadal serve and continue to hit safe, short, compact kind of block returns on the backhand especially. And uh, what did he do? Not that. In the first three sets the return was a problem for shapovalov but the big problem was the second serve return and i don't say these things like say you know these things lightly and i don't toss around statements like this but the second serve returning by shapovalov through the first three sets were an absolute travesty an absolute joke how poorly he returned the second serve for three sets. And by the way, Nadal's second serve has been uh more aggressive, but let's let's be clear here and I'm I'm gonna give you the stats. This is a second serve or just a serve. Forget if it's the first or second. This is a serve that's traveling at an average of 103 miles per hour, and Shapovalov returned 34% in play in the first three sets, which means he basically missed. Most of the second serve returns that he hit on serves that were coming in at an average of 103 miles per hour. You can't do that. And in the first set, Nadal served an amazing first serve percentage. So it wasn't clear that it was an issue. In the second set, when Nadal had an energy dip, he um, there were games where he lost his first serve and Shapovalov just still gave him free point, free point, free point. And Nadal's hitting second serves. So that was completely unacceptable from Shapovalov's perspective. Now, he ended up finding the range on the return. And for the last three sets, including the fifth, I think he he returned well enough, decently enough, where I don't think that that was a major issue for him. Obviously, he was able to win two of the sets that I'm talking about, um, and, and he lost the fifth. But I will say he found the range on the return. So... It's not, you know, I can't I can't say that Shapovalov had a terrible returning performance. What I can say is for three sets there, his second serve return was a massive, massive reason why he did not give himself a chance to win in the second set. And then, you know, got, I think, pretty fortunate in the third set that he was able to win. My second question coming into the match was, can Nadal's body take the abuse when you play a better player with massive groundies and a big serve like Shapovalov? You are going to be moving more violently around the court on a more regular basis. And I was wondering, how much running can Nadal do? And the answer was not a lot. What I didn't foresee was that it was going to be the heat that was going to be the main factor for this. So in Nadal's own words to Jim Courier after the match, he said, I was completely destroyed by the warmth. That's what he said, completely destroyed. And I think in the first set, he was exceptional. More on that later. After that, he never had a full gas tank. He never had all of his energy. The forehand was slower the movement was slower the only thing that wasn't slower was the serve everything else was at 75% speed for Nadal um and by the way the rallies were incredibly short in this match in fact in the third set not a single rally with more than 8 shots not one the entire third set it was literally just a servathon and still there were energy issues for Nadal so you know, it's good that there's nothing wrong with him other than just the heat got to him. It's likely that he will be playing the remainder of his matches in the late afternoon um, or at nighttime. So, I, I mean, he didn't answer questions about his fitness in this match, but I think that you can still hold out hope that Nadal might be fine in his next match or in a final if he makes it there. But... Nadal's body and his physicality was a a hindrance in this match, not a helpful key for him in victory. I do want to talk about the double faults for Nadal because I do think Rafa could have won this match quicker and easier had the double faults not played such a factor. He had a, a career high. Career-high double faults in this match with 11. And uh, they did come in bunches sometimes or, you know, really two in a game at times and in some key moments. And I guess what I do want to say on this is that he is hitting a second serve bigger and more aggressively. And I think we can expect to see a slightly elevated level of double fault rate out out of Nadal. But not to this extent. This is too many. This is going to hurt him. He he can't double fault in the future as much as he did in this match. The context overall is that in 2020, he had a career-worst double fault rate of 3.4%. Now, at the time, and even in hindsight, that wasn't a problem at all. That was just, I think, a function of him going for a second serves more. But in 2021, he set a new career worst at 4.9%. And last year there were matches where I thought it's getting a little bit, it's becoming a bit of a problem and that Nadal is going to want to get that under control. So I think Nadal would be uh it would be good for him to get back to that 2020 kind of 3.4% double fault rate in this match i didn't calculate it at the end but at one point it was 9.1% i assume it stayed around there but that was an issue for nadal and by the way you know i know his stomach was hurting but the the serve speeds were the same there was never a dip in serve speed so i don't really know that we can blame the stomach issues for the double faults, but maybe it's a possibility, I will admit. The biggest positive in this match for Nadal was how well he played the first set, so I want to take a moment to talk about that. I loved how Nadal returned in the first set, mixing up his positions, especially the way he used the the return close to the baseline to take time away from Shapovalov, and he was able to force a lot of errors that way. His second serve returning in the first set was tremendous. He was able to make Shapovalov hit a lot of first ball backhands. And then he also used the deep return position as a mix-up. And I thought that was effective, too, because Shapovalov was uh, caught overhitting on a couple of occasions as Nadal moved back and got in good defensive position and hit some slower returns that resulted and coaxed Shapovalov into unforced errors. And that was a key in the game that he broke Shapovalov's serve in the first set. So I thought it was great returning, and I loved the serve strategy. He was serving very big to the Shapo backhand, but he was hitting the big targets. I think he decided that because of Shapovalov's shaky return... The best thing for Nadal to do was to make sure to hit a high percentage of first serves and not kind of hit his perfect spots because the backhand return, you're gonna get three points anyway. So I liked that approach. I just think I don't know if he really got away from it. I will I will say that I wasn't it's something that I wasn't tracking as much as the match progressed, but I thought that was good. And then just using the forehand to dictate with extreme confidence. That was uh Really, uh, a standout attribute in the first set, and it just kind of went away as Nadal's energy went away, and that that racket speed dipped, and the forehand speeds went down, the confidence went down a little bit, and uh, it it kind of came apart. Talking about Shapovalov now, his uh, the positives is that he was serving very big, and physically he held up very well. He was able to save himself in the third set where I mean it was just looking it was looking like straight sets for Nadal. And I fully believed that it was going to be straight sets for Nadal for most of the third set. And he actually started serve and volleying. It was a good changeup that kind of got his juices flowing again. Nadal did make some mistakes on on return and on some passing shots that that he, he really shouldn't have made, but Chapo making that adjustment and introducing the serve volley. Uh, definitely kept him from losing this match in straight sets. But ultimately, I, I have more critiques for Shapovolov than compliments. He needs to be more disciplined in his shot selection. Against a physically compromised opponent in Nadal, there was just no reason to make as many loose, unforced errors as he did. I mean, in the fifth set, especially, Rafa Nadal just didn't have much left in the legs. And Dennis made 13 unforced errors in the fifth set. That is where you need to buckle down and and make your balls. And Nadal's aggression was not an excuse here because Rafa Rafa's offensive baseline game was at this point very diminished and it was not intimidating at all. So this was just Chapo missing on his own terms and the shot selection is just not good. It's all over the place. He's pulling the trigger sometimes when he shouldn't be, he is going for small margins when he can be going for much larger targets at times and then he's making weird mistakes weird mistakes with you know choosing to swing volley certain balls, going to the net uh, choosing drop shots at odd times just and and you can point to, you can point to the second set, especially when his brain was kind of scrambled, which brings me to my next point. He he needs to work on his focus. He let a lot of things bother him in this match, beginning with Nadal supposedly taking too long, even though Shapovalov was taking, on average, one or two seconds less than Nadal. I mean, the difference was like minuscule, and he was getting into it with Carlos Bernardes, and then they even had a meeting at the net. And uh, I mean, it's just it's a bad look for Shapovalov to be dealing with or, or worrying about stuff like that and then making strange decisions on top of it in between the lines when the points start. He also was uh, frustrated with Nadal's medical timeout. And these are things that are uh, they're out of your control. And as soon as you start worrying about things that aren't in your control on the court, you're not in a good place. And then if you look at just, the loose moments that he had, it comes down to in a four hour match, are you going to be with it the whole time? Or are you going to go in and out and be distracted at times and make super strange decisions at times? And that's what Shapovolov does right now. The last thing is he could really use a safe mode. I mean, you need to have, and it doesn't need, it's not, it's never going to be Shapovolov's plan A, but. You need to have, whether it be because of your opponent or because of how you are playing, you have to have a mode of play where you're limiting the unforced errors and you're changing the way you play so that you are limiting the unforced errors. I'm not a fan, you know, I'm not advocating for Shapovalov to play passively, but desperate times call for desperate measures. And that's what this was. This was desperate times. You had an opponent who uh, was was in questionable physical condition, and you lost to that opponent because you did not keep the ball on the court. And that's, that's not good. So summarizing things for Shapovalov, it was a really nice run for him. And he made the quarterfinal after that horrible second half of 2021. And in that respect, you hesitate to be too hard on him. With that being said, this was a bad loss. Just just a really bad loss. I'm interested to see what he says afterwards. He smashed his racket uh, after losing match point. And I mean, I think that he should feel like he completely blew it in this match. And that he should have won. For Nadal, he survived despite nearly another health disaster in Australia. And that's what was kind of going through my mind. Is that uh, he's had so many moments in these matches in Australia. Where there have been physical things that have that have been just unfortunate and have knocked him out of this event and it looked like it might happen again so for him to survive despite all that is uh is what really matters for an adult. the fact that he gets to live to fight another day in the semi-final and as i said at the top he's the the competitor that every tennis player should aspire to be hope you enjoyed don't forget to subscribe i'll see you next time